Our scripture lesson today comes from Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3 and 11. This is the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Maria. Friends, please join me for a moment of prayer. Gracious God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be found faithful in your sight. For you and you alone are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we are knee-deep into what some people call spooky season. Halloween is not but a little more than two weeks away. And uh, as we're in this spooky season, I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in ghosts? I don't. Or at least, I didn't think I did. Until about two months ago, when I spent the night at a haunted hotel in Kansas City. And I want to tell you about this. Now, I had saw online when I booked the hotel some line indicating something about how it was haunted. But like I said, I don't believe in ghosts, so I didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, So when I checked into the hotel, I went downstairs and was talking to the concierge, getting some information about the lay of the land, and I decided to playfully and casually ask, hey, so I kind of saw online that this place was haunted? Yes, it absolutely is said the concierge in a very matter-of-fact voice. In fact, there have been over 10,000 registered deaths on this property. And that's when I got out my phone (laughs) and began to look for another place to spend the night. (laughs) But of course, I'm not scared of ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. So I wasn't too bothered by this fact, although I did think it was unusual. As, as it turns out, the hotel, when it was first built in 1900, was a hospital. And I guess it was a fairly active hospital until it became a hotel. Uh, but I wasn't too bothered by this until about 3 a.m. that morning. And this really happened. I woke up at 3 a.m. and I began to hear sounds. <laughs> and I didn't know where they were coming from, and it was windy outside. And at that moment, I believed in ghosts. (laughs) Now, luckily for me, because there was no getting back to sleep at that moment, uh, I turned on the TV and the USA channel was playing uh, the movie The Avengers Infinity War. And so I used this to distract myself uh, before I went back to sleep. Now, if you haven't seen Avengers Infinity War, uh, or it's been a while since you've seen it, it ends in a kind of interesting way. Because unlike almost every other movie created, Avengers Infinity War ends and the monster wins. Now, this is a spoiler, but it's been out for a while, so I don't feel bad about this, okay? In the movie, the monster Thanos, 
at the end, he finally gets all six infinity stones, and this gives him ultimate power over the entire universe. And with that ultimate power, if you've seen the movie, you know what he does. He snaps his finger, and with one snap of the finger, half of all life in the entire universe dissolves, evaporates, is gone. And that's how the movie ends. In hindsight, it wasn't really like a good, comfort, feel-good movie to distract me at 3.30 a.m. in my haunted hotel room, but it did the job. Today, we're continuing our sermon series about the things that haunt us and how we overcome them. Last week, Pastor Mitch began the series by talking about how we overcome insecurity, and today we're shifting to talk about fear. And friends, I think this is a good thing for us to talk about because all too often in our religious conversations, we see fear as the enemy of faith. And we have this idea that if you are afraid, if you have fear, that it is a failure of faith. Well, if that's so, then I failed miserably that night in that haunted hotel room, and we fail every time we're afraid of the dark. But what if the goal of faith, what if the goal of the Christian life was not to have faith without fear, but to acknowledge that fear is inevitable and to live into fear with faith? Now, I don't know about you, but for as much as I love this spooky season, I really don't like being scared. I have an annual quota of about one scary movie a year, and I watch it on Halloween, okay? Maybe you're the same. But whether or not you are a fan of horror movies, I want us to to think about horror for a moment today, because there is something fascinating, even compelling, about the scariest of movies. And I wonder if it's because we see in the scariest of movies a reflection, a mirror that shows back to us our deepest fears, our deepest anxieties, reflections of the things that horror us. I was doing some reading this week in preparation for this morning, and I came across an article by a professor of religion and self-described scary movie geek. That's what he calls himself. Uh, His name is Brandon Graffis. And Brandon Graffis writes in his book called Lurking Under the Surface that there is an intrinsic connection between our life of faith and horror stories because both faith and horror stories offer us ways to make meaning out of our contradictory world that at times can indeed seem so beautiful but at other times can be filled with horror. Now, this comparison might seem odd for those of us who don't like horror movies, but but think for a moment about classic horror movies like The Exorcist. Has anybody seen The Exorcist? It came out in the 70s. It was a while ago. But it's about a small girl who gets possessed by a demon, and there's a Catholic priest who is wrestling with his faith, and he tries to, to get the demon out of this girl. It's a terrifying movie. But it also makes us want to ask the questions about Battles between good and evil. It makes us contemplate the questions about maybe the paranormal side or about life after death. Mysteries we don't fully understand. 
and it invites us into those questions. Or consider slasher films, if you've ever seen Scream or Friday the 13th or the Halloween franchise. These movies expose our fears that our familiar and comfortable neighborhoods might not be as safe as we think. It seems like every one of those movies begins the same, with a nice suburban neighborhood, it's Halloween time, but then the monster comes and everything goes crazy. Of course, there's also the movie Infinity War, which granted, it's not a horror movie, but has that horrific ending where the monster wins and invites us to wrestle with that question, what happens when it seems like the good guys lose and the bad guys win? What do we do when that happens? Brandon Graffis would say that these are the questions that both religion and horror stories help us to wrestle with, questions that are at the very core of what it means to be human. Now, Psalm 46 that Pastor Maria read for us just a few moments ago says that when the monsters come and we feel afraid, that it is God who is our refuge and our help. The metaphors that the psalmist used to describe the horrors that make us tremble and fear are different than the ones that you'll find in the scariest of movies. There's no men with masks. There's no monsters in this psalm. Instead, the ghosts and the demons the psalmist talks about are when the mountains shake and when the waters roar and when the earth changes under your feet. These are the metaphors to describe the things that make us afraid. But let's be honest for a minute. We live in Kansas, which is about as far away from a large body of water as you can get in this country, and we are eight hours away by car to the closest mountains. Makes me very sad. So the mountains quaking and the waters roaring might not be the metaphors for us that connect us to what it means to be afraid. But I think we know what it means to feel afraid. And no, I'm not just talking about being afraid of your haunted hotel room. I'm talking about those moments when the earth changes underneath your feet and you feel helpless and you feel haunted. I was talking to a friend a few weeks ago and he was telling me about how his wife was just diagnosed with ALS. And I was talking to him on the phone and to be honest, I didn't really know what to say and all I could think to ask him was, how are you feeling? And the only thing that he could say to me was, Daniel, I feel helpless. The haunting truth of anybody who knows that horrific disease called ALS is that in many ways you are helpless. There is no cure. This is what it means, friends, for the mountains to shake, for the waters to roar, for the earth to change underneath your feet when the diagnosis comes and you don't know what to do. But I'll give you another example. I was talking to my aunt, uh, and my aunt just turned 60 years old this year. And if you've turned 60, you know that for many of us, uh, that is a major birthday milestone. And my aunt, uh, she also had a double knee replacement not too long ago. 
and I was helping her uh, get to and from her physical therapy appointment, and she was using her walker, and she was having a hard time getting in and out of the car, and she began to tell me, out, out of the blue, how she's beginning to get afraid of becoming old. Aging can be difficult, especially when you can't do all the things that you used to be able to do. And that change can feel scary. Any change that we feel we are not in control of, in fact, can feel like horror. But I also think of our children and the youth in our lives and in our communities who might be asking themselves the question, are they in a horror story? Is the next mass shooting that's going to be on the news going to be their school? Make no mistake, friends, our children are living in a horror story, and they're the main characters. And these children grow up, and they move away, and they go to college, or they move on to the next stage of their lives. And as parents and grandparents, I'm sure you're excited and proud of them as they move on, but perhaps there's also some fear as they move out of your house and on to further things because you can't protect them in the same way you used to from the horrors of life. They're out on their own, and you have to trust that they're going to be okay. We could go on and on all morning, but it's already 12 o'clock. <laughs> we could name the horrors that you've experienced, mistakes, failures, loss of relationships. Friends, I look out and I think of all the things that keep us afraid. I look out and I see what's happening in Israel and in Palestine and in the Ukraine, and I am reminded why we need faith to help us make sense of our contradicted world that, yes, is beautiful, but can also be filled with horror. As much as I wish it were so, Faith does not take away the horrors of life. Faith does not take away the things that haunt us. As much as I would love to rewrite Psalm 46 to read, we will not be afraid because the earth will not change, the mountains will not shake, the waters will not roar. That's not what it says. It'll never say that. It says, even though the mountains shake, even though the waters roar, even though the earth will change, God is our refuge, God is our hope, God is our help when we are afraid. Even when the writing on the wall seems to indicate we have reason to fear and tremble, God will not abandon us. Now, if you've ever been curious where that phrase, the writing on the wall, comes from, it, you might be surprised to know that it comes from the Bible, from the book of Daniel, chapter 5. And in chapter 5, we hear a story of the king of Babylon. His name is Belshazzar. And King Belshazzar is having a great feast with a thousand of his closest friends. And in the middle of that feast, a hand mysteriously appears. Now, if you've ever seen the Adam's uh, family, right? The disembodied hand. This is exactly what happens in the Bible, okay? This hand appears and writes on the wall words that nobody can understand. And the king is so terrified, his face turns pale and his knees knock together. And when the king is terrified, who does he call? Right, he calls the Ghostbusters. 
If you read the text, he reads the uh, enchanters, the wise men, to try to tell him what this writing means. But none of them can figure it out. So he calls Daniel, who has built a reputation for being able to make sense and meaning out of the horrors of life. And Daniel interprets the words for the king. Mene, mene, tekel, parson which sounds like a witch's curse, but is actually Aramaic words. And the Aramaic words that Daniel interprets says to the king that his reign of terror is almost finished. That God has judged the king and his rule will expire. And sure enough, before the feast is over, before the candles are extinguished, the king is dethroned. Now, this is a great ghost story. It's a wonderful horror story. Stephen King couldn't do better than this. But let's not mistake who is the victim of horror here. Okay? It's not the Babylonian king. It's the people of Israel. For the prophet Daniel is writing to a community that have been conquered by Babylon. They've been plundered of their wealth. They've been excommunicated to a foreign land and made to live as slaves. The terror, the horror of exile. But Daniel interprets this writing on the wall. And the message for the Israelite community and the message for us is that even when we face the horrors of life, even when it seems like the bad guy is going to win because the king is feasting with all the lords, God's hand is still active. The disembodied, maybe the invisible hand of God will not leave us and will not forsake us even when we face the horrors of life. Here's the most fascinating thing about that ghost story, and this is where we're going to conclude is that whoever wrote the book of Daniel did not write that story while the people were in exile. It was written down nearly 400 years later after the people had returned to their land, rebuilt their temple, rebuilt their community. Here's the thing about the things that make us most afraid. Our faith will not take them away. But God will give us a hope God will give us a refuge. God's hand will be active. And with the gift of hindsight, when we look back 5, 10, 50 years from those things that make us afraid, we'll be able to see, just like whoever wrote Daniel, that when we were facing the things that we fear the most, God was still with us. Now the horror story of the Israelite community continues to be played out today. We see it on the news right now. It's a horror story, what's happening over there. But I have faith that in 5, 10, 50 years from now, when we look back in hindsight, there will be stories about how God's hand was active to bring about peace in that land, to bring about wholeness for everyone, just like God will be present in your life. You might not feel it when you're afraid of the ghost, when it's right in front of you. But I promise you, when you look back, you'll be able to see that God never left. So if you're like me, and you're going to watch your one horror movie on Halloween night, I invite you to ask yourself the question as you watch it, what fear is this movie illustrating? 
And is this a fear that I've experienced in my life or maybe am experiencing right now? I want to encourage you, these movies are not just meant to make you afraid. They're inviting you to make meaning out of the things that make you scared. And God helps us. That night that I was in the haunted hotel, I went back to sleep and I slept very peacefully. Part of that was the melatonin pill that I took. (laughs) But part of that was because I knew that there was another Avengers movie after Infinity War. It's called Endgame. And if you've seen that movie, and this is a spoiler alert too, the monster doesn't win. Thanks be to God. Amen.